This is LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. On this edition of Moving Up the Ladder, we're talking about some strategies and tips for you to communicate to influence. And we're going to do that with an expert in the field of business communication. His name is Ben Decker. He is one of the two authors of Communicate to Influence, How to Inspire Your Audience to Action. Now, the other author of that book is Kelly Decker, his wife, and together they run Decker Communications, which is a global firm that trains and coaches tens of thousands of executives a year. Thank you very much for joining LJN Radio. Thanks. Great to be on. The topic of communication is a popular one, obviously. It's always listed as one of the most important things, whether you're trying to get a job or you have a job and you're looking to move up, or maybe you're a manager or even an executive. But I want to focus on the other part of this, and that's influence. Of course, uh, the book called Communicate to Influence. How do you define or describe influence? Just your point of view, because everybody, I think, has their own take on it. Well, influence is getting people to want to do something you're pushing them to do. I think what we try to bring to light is the idea of directing or telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. And that turns into a lot of what people consider leadership, but that's not leadership. You want to get your audience to want to versus have to. And that's a big crux of the book. Sure. No, I like that differentiation. Like you said, uh, sometimes people don't necessarily see it that way. I saw a quote from the president and CEO of the Charles Schwab company. And he said that as far as the Decker approach, so your approach here, that it's not just about being a first-class communicator, but being a first-class connector. Do you relate to that? Do you use that phrase? Or how would you differentiate between the two? I'd love to take credit for it, but that was his quote. And luckily, (laughs) it's on the back of the book. So that, of course, helps. But it's the gist of what we do. A lot of people think about, oh, it's what you say, or it's how you come across. Mm -hmm. What the book is about, what our training, what our coaching is about is get people to step back and think about how do you connect with someone to get them to, back to what you were saying, to want to do it, to to influence them. And a key learning is that people buy on emotion and justify with fact. And we forget Mm -hmm. that as we communicate, as we manage up, as we, as a product manager, as a salesperson, we share information. We forget about that connecting piece. And so we really bring that to light and bring that top of mind because there's this great Amy Cuddy quote, a professor out of Harvard that said, you know, warmth and competence are critical, but you have to have warmth before competence. And that tells a lot in that little sentence. Sure. Again, with some of the notes I got, one of the things that was mentioned, and I think this alludes to a little bit of or relates to what you were talking about just now, and that's the idea of the communicator's roadmap. Can you just give us a brief summary of what that is and and maybe break it down a little bit? We don't give away all the details, obviously. That's why you have the book. But um, what does that mean and what are people thinking about or should they be thinking about with that? It can be a challenge to talk through by radio and no visual, but (laughs) imagine a two-by-two matrix with the vertical axis being emotional connection. So the higher up you are, the more likable you are, the more trustworthy you are, the more people feel loyal to you. So the lower you are, the less. Mm -hmm. And then the horizontal axis is just content. So on the left side, you talk about your stuff, your widget. Let me describe me. Versus the right side, it's more about them. And you're tying whatever you're talking about to your audience. And so if you just follow the quadrants in the communicator's roadmap, the bottom left is in form. People don't feel connected to you very much. And you're talking about your stuff. Hmm. So that's in form. And then going clockwise, top left is entertain. People like you, but you're not talking about anything that relates to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then the top right is the ideals, the inspire. People connect with you and you're talking about things that relate to them. And then the bottom right is direct. They don't feel connected with you, but everything is about them. So you want to almost think military or directing people. So the whole goal of the roadmap is 
Number one, figure out where you are. What is my, most of my communications in my everyday? Most of us in business fall in the inform. Some direct if we're leaders, but mostly inform. And so how do I get to that inspire quadrant? And part of it is behavioral, part of it's connecting, telling stories, being transparent. That moves you up that vertical axis. Okay. But a lot of it is shifting the content to your audience. And it is amazing, Tim, how many people we work with that don't think about our audience enough. And we just say what we want to say. And we don't think, oh, it's the end of the quarter. They're spread thin. They're struggling with this. They don't know that. Mm -hmm. And we got to be more audience focused. As you said, it can be difficult maybe for people to visualize it a bit. But if they follow along with you, I think you laid it out beautifully as far as being able to understand that X and Y uh, access is there. And I think it's a great, great thought. Is there ever a time where people should be in any other quadrant or is that really not necessary that you really do want to be in that ideal upper right hand as we look at it? Very rarely in the inform. There are times that we give examples in the book of when and, and how and why. Sure. We've always been under the, the, the strong bias that you should always be in the influence and inspire quadrant. Okay. There are times when you have to be direct, when there's urgency. And that's where you know military comes into place in hierarchy and you got to direct and, there, and there's a time crunch. There are times when you got to add value of entertainment because it is such a serious tone. And you think about the, let's say the great sports teams. I think you we're pretty involved with baseball, but you think about the Giants. I'm a local San Franciscan All right. and they've won three in the last six years. I just want to get that out. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about their first world championship and the entertainment and the lightness, the levity, I should say, in the locker room. And you're seeing that even in the, the Warriors right now mm-hmm. with what they're doing. Sure. Of The more fun they have, the better they connect. And so as leaders, we have to find times when you got to keep an entertainment value there. So it doesn't make sense to just be the pusher. Clearly, Ben uh, looked up a little bit about me and found out about my baseball love. But uh, we don't like to talk about the Brewers right now because they're struggling. So <laughs> your Giants, obviously, they've been doing things right for about a decade at least. Focusing back toward the book, one of the items also that came to my attention was the idea of the five white lies about communication. And we don't have to touch on all of them. Again, obviously, we don't want to give away all the secrets. But could you give us one or two that maybe people can really relate to or seem most common? Well, I can, I can go through them because it's good to be thorough, but we won't get too deep on them. But All right, sounds good. The most common one is, is the, the number one. And keep in mind, Tim, the way we wrote the book is just to wake people up of, oh my gosh, this is happening in my organization, my culture, or I'm guilty of doing these things. So that's where the white lies come in because so much of the goal that we have at Decker Communications is to transform business communications. And the five white lies is in chapter one, which we titled business communication sucks. (laughs) And that's hopefully to raise some eyebrows and realize, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? So these white lies, number one is if I say the words, people will get it. Hmm. And that's, as humans, that's what we think. We spend so much time scripting or working on our PowerPoint and thinking, as long as these words are said to my CEO or my supervisor or my manager, they'll get it. And that's not the way it is. Number two is when I'm on, I'm great. And that's where you see people turn into robots or over the top. They seem different people. And that's not good. It's not authentic. It's not real. And so we don't want the person presenting to be different than the person that you catch in the hallway. Number three is I don't need to prep. I can wing it. And that goes to any of your busy, busy listeners, which is almost all of us, because we have back-to-back-to-back meetings and we just go in and we wing it. But you got to think about what's the point? Where do I want to take them? What do I want them to do? That makes you way more effective. And then fourth is 
<laughs> this is a lot of leadership gets this, you know, VPs, SVPs, EVPs, CEOs. People tell me I'm pretty good at, <laughs> at communicating. Really? <laughs> and, <laughs> and that goes to this, you know, a joke that we call a shine job where leaders are told they're great. Hey, boss, everything you do is great. Sure. And you applaud them, you pat them on the back, but that's not of great value. You need to get this balanced feedback that we talked through. And then the last one is more culturally based, but it's the number one response or complaint we get because uh, we work with a lot of different Fortune 500. And it's, that's not the way we do things here. Because mm. <laughs> keep in mind, Tim, a lot of what we're pushing is bring more energy, be more listener focused, tell a story. And if they're given 10 minutes with their supervisor, they think that's a waste of time to tell a story or to smile. Because I got to, to be taken serious, I have to be serious. Sure. And that goes almost opposite than the way we coach and train. I think you can definitely hear the passion that you have for this subject as a whole. And I think it comes through in some of the items you're talking about here as well. Obviously, it relates to what we're talking about also. When it comes to influence, when it comes to communication, do you feel, now I know you guys have been at it for a while, do you feel things have gotten more challenging because of the technology aspect? Do you think nothing's really changed, it's just we're more aware? I mean, how would you describe communication as a whole and speaking as a whole, maybe in the last 10, 15, 20 years? I mean, the answer is yes. It, it, it has become more challenging because there's more distraction. Hmm. And then people think they can multitask. And so they grab their phone, they keep their computer open. So we as communicators have much more of a challenge. And we've heard the argument that the spoken word, the communications piece isn't as important now because of technology. And we're arguing the exact opposite. Right. It is the most important as it ever has been because of the challenges, because there is so much noise out there that you have to stand out. And that's really where people will continue to succeed and stand out compared to the rest of the people. Those that communicate well will continuously move up. And that is, that's really what this book is about. How big or how important is trust when you're talking about communicating, influence, no matter what exactly it is you're doing, how big would you put that as? One of the top things. And we, we, we reference, you know, Edelman does a, a report that breaks down trust. And I think it's called the trust barometer. And so we reference it because we want people to think about, do people trust you hmm. as you communicate, whether it's your team, whether it's a client, whether it's a whole new audience that doesn't even know you. So we reference many books that there's some great content out there, but one of them is Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. And it's the idea that he calls thin slicing that I'll use the word judge that we judge each other. Sure. When someone comes in an office, we can't help but judge of, do I like them? Do I trust them? Yes, no, maybe so. And we immediately categorize people. So if you look at trust, whether it be from the, the subprime, the recession, there's all kinds of variables of re the reason trust is down. And so because of that, we have to stand out and be trustworthy in connecting with our audience. And so that's where the be we reference the behaviors of trust. So it goes into eye communication, goes into smile. Right. goes into being consistent in how you come across. We talked about technology just briefly there, but I was curious, can an individual be truly influential through technology? And I'm thinking more just your social media, your blogs, that type of thing, because it seems like a lot of people are going to stick to that arena and they're not worried about the face-to-face -face or speaking in a group or in a meeting. Can you be influential with that route or is that just a supplementary piece? No, of course, it builds credibility. Okay. And for that reason, you can be influential in that case. The principles of a lot of what we talk about around connecting emotionally. So let's stick with social media. Let's stick with the people that just share 
words on a page or a tweet or mm-hmm. Facebook or any of the Google Hangouts, whatever you want to call it, if it's just data, it builds some credibility, but doesn't necessarily connect. And okay. this is the same thing in business. So I'm going to make a tie-in here. Sure. Where a lot of what we do is we push people to try an acronym we use is called a SHARP, story, humor, analogy, reference, or quote. And then P is for picture. Again, SHARP. Incorporate those in how you communicate. So those that just tweet data, it's interesting, huh? good to know, but is it really influential? And those that really stand out are the people that make it interesting. They find a way to connect it emotionally, whether it be tying in a data point to a movie quote Hmm. or something people will relate to. Same thing goes when you manage up or when you give a, a QBR to make it more interesting. Yeah, you're sharing a lot of information, but we've got to find ways to, to style it up and check it up and make it more interesting that it's remembered. So there is a tie in there. Whether it is in social media or let's take it back to, you know, again, speaking in front of people or just communicating in general, do you find that there's a little bit of fear or concern that if they do try to step outside that box, that somehow they're going to mess up or say something that they really didn't want to, or it's going to convey something awkward or offensive. Do you see that as being an obstacle for a lot of people or not as much? Well, the fear of speaking is the number one. I think most people know that or or have heard that statistic more than death and all of that. I just heard that this last weekend and they said they heard it for the first time when it came up. And I I just always assume everyone knows that little (laughs) fun statistic, but I guess they don't. So now your listeners can confirm it. It's, it's true. People are more afraid of speaking than, than dying. But we, are, we get in our own way. We are afraid of the what if. And so, yeah. So what you're saying is, aren't we afraid of saying the wrong thing? And that goes into that fifth white lie. It's not the way we do things here because they're so afraid of doing something different or mm-hmm. saying something wrong. And that fear leads us into this robotic, black and white, doesn't stand out, unwilling to tell a story or even change up your voice the way I'm with you now. And so we just share things monotone and it's flat and it's dead and people tune out. Mm-hmm. So that is the, that's what we're battling on a daily basis, Tim, just to help people be number one, be more aware of the communication experience they're creating and then show them the, the, the desire and the need and the, hopefully the want to be willing to change. Cause this is it's not easy changing these habits. And that's what communication is. It's habits that we all have. And we, we, we reference a quote from a, a leader that uses a term that I love, and it's this self-propelling engine. Meaning when you try some of these things, you actually see results. You see response. You see influence. And it becomes this self-propelling engine where you want to do it more and you want to extend it and expand it and take more risks because you see results. And that's, that's the hope. Ben, I think you brought us some excellent stuff. Uh, We're getting close to time here. So I did want to give you the floor at the end. Anything you want to leave our listeners with in terms of communication, influence, um, anything we didn't touch on or something you want to emphasize, just any kind of good takeaway for our listeners today? Well, I think it starts with awareness. So if, if your listeners are not seeing themselves on video or hearing themselves on audio, get an audio recorder, get a sense of what you're doing. I think that's the biggest problem that business communication has is we don't know what we're putting out there. And we just hope it's good. And we've gotten promoted before. So we assume it's good and we keep doing what we're doing. And that's part of the challenge. And so this book, our training, our coaching, the whole goal is to wake people up of you can be better. And we've been doing this for about 36 years. My wife and I co-wrote this book and it's something we've wanted to do for about six, seven years. And luckily McGraw-Hill reached out to us and liked some things we had to say. And it just came out this last month. 
the websites communicate to influence.com. So there's more details there. Uh, our website for the company is decker.com. And my hope is just it wakes people up to realize this is a, a thing like golf or one of those areas that you can never perfect. Hmm. And you just tinker it and you have fun with it and you make yourself better and you see the results. Well, I will say you mentioned there for people to just be aware and watch or listen to themselves. That might be second on the list as far as things people hate next to uh, public speaking. Just <laughs> we see it every day, Tim. That's true. We'll try to get people out of those shells. Uh, ben, thanks a lot for coming on. Again, great insight. Hopefully people check it out. Again, the book is Communicate to Influence. Thank you very much for joining us today, Ben. Thanks, Tim. That is all the time we have today for Moving Up the Ladder and our conversation with Ben Decker of Decker Communications. He's also one of the two authors of Communicate to Influence, How to Inspire Your Audience to Action. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or you can send us a message on Twitter, find us at the LJN, and you can check out all of our LJN Radio episodes on iTunes as well. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.